Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries Podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you to live out the purpose God has for your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. So today's message is on Abraham. And Abraham is a unique character in all of the scripture. Abraham is the man that God geographically stationed in a strategic portion of the earth so that the whole world could hear a message about a single God. And so God had to move him. Now there's a children's story that goes with Father Abraham. And we, we know this song. And kids love to sing it because it's fast, it's fun, it's, you get to be a little silly, you get to be a little goofy, but it's more than that. Now, we've been in this series for the last few weeks about children's stories so that God can show us exactly how sometimes we can't grasp the aspect, the depth of what he's trying to do us because of our perspective. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith. Everybody say, by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith. Everybody say, by faith. He went to live in a land of promise as a foreigner living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him. Of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that had foundations whose designer and builder was God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past age. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear. Receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ... As a child of Abraham. The Pharisees uh, uh, argued with Jesus. Sadducees, they argue with Jesus. We have Abraham as our father. And Jesus said, if Abraham was your father, you would do the works of Abraham. Now I'm going to be honest with you, as a student of the scripture over the last 30 years or so, I don't see Abraham doing any works. Sometimes you can actually ask yourself, what did he actually do? If Jesus makes this statement, if Abraham was your father, you'd do the works of Abraham. Now, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're a son, you're a daughter of Abraham. Romans chapter 4, watch this, uh, verse 11 through 17. I'll just read a portion. It says, Abraham received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith when he was still uncircumcised. The purpose, the purpose was to make him the father of all. Everybody say all. all. Who believe. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace And be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law. But also to the ones who share the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all as it is written. I have made you father of many nations. Now what was Paul saying in this statement? He makes this. Grab a hold of this thing, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, Father Abraham. First, the Israelites under the Old Testament, he's including them. Second, for all those who believe in Christ in the New Testament, he's including them. It was though Jesus was coming to reassure the promise God had given to Abraham. And as a matter of fact, through Jesus... That promise to Abraham was fulfilled. The focus is on faith. Everybody say faith. The focus is on faith. God wants us to be a people of faith. He chose Abraham to be our example of what faith looks like. 
Now, in this, in this Western world idea of Christianity, especially in modernism or postmodernism, whatever we call it, and denominationalism and those type of things, faith can take on all kinds of things. Faith can be a somber thing that, you know, uh, uh, restricts you and, and causes you to, if you have faith in Jesus, then, you know, you concentrate on the things you can't do. Faith can be uh, a prosperity message while you just name it and claim it. Faith can be anything. And, and we can get to the point that we'll say, you know, well, you know, if you just had enough faith, you need more faith. That person, maybe they wouldn't have died. Maybe they've gotten healed. Maybe their situation would be different if they had more faith. Well, my question to people who say that to me, because I'm a faith person, but did, did Paul not have enough faith? When God said, my grace is sufficient. Man, if Paul had just had more faith. I mean, the man writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Man, if he had just had more faith. The Bible says of Jesus could do no miracles in Nazareth because of unbelief, which is, come on. If Jesus had just had more faith. See, we get, we get all these mixed messages, and it's no wonder in our life that we're like, I've got no clue what faith is. You've got to have faith for this moment. You've got to have faith to believe God. You've got to have faith to receive this. you just got to press in and have faith. You've got to have faith. And that's a great statement, but I don't know what it looks like. And God gives us Abraham to show us what faith looks like. So what is it about this man? That we need to copy. What is it about his faith that we need to copy? What did he do that I can do? Hello, somebody. Come on, when you're struggling, that's what you want to do. You want to find the formula. Right? You just want to, I want to find the formula. Somebody show me what the formula is. And I want to work the steps. I want to, I want to make sure. Because when I work the steps, then the math is going to add up. And I'm going to get the right solution. Come on. My, my algebra teacher used to always tell me, Don... The reason you don't get the right solution is because you're not applying the right formula. When you get the right formula, then you'll get the right solution. You've got to know the formula. And then when I got in geometry, my teacher said, forget all that mess. And now we live in a world of situation ethics. But two plus two doesn't equal four anymore. There's no standard of truth. Well, now you got your truth, I got my truth, and there's no absolute truth anymore. And, and it's a wonder why we're confused, because we don't know what to believe, and we got nothing to stand on. What does it look like? And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think the church of Jesus Christ... I think the bride of Christ is the only thing on the face of the planet, as a matter of fact, in all of the created cosmos, that has the truth and isn't declaring it. Because we're worried that people will reject us. Let me tell you something. Their truth hasn't worked so far. When I hear that statement, well, you got your truth. You know, what I, you know what that means to me? That means that that person wants to neglect their responsibility and justify blaming someone else for the issue they put themselves in. Yes. That person wants to reject their responsibility to justify blaming other people for that. For where they put themselves. I was poking a possum. I've told you this story one day. My dad said, don't poke that possum. He'll bite you. And I believe my dad. I kept poking that possum. Dad went on left me alone. I liked poking him because it would make him grumble and growl. And I liked watching him. And, I, and he bit me. So I go in the house, holding my hand, bleeding, because this possum had bitten me. And I'm crying, and I run up to my dad. 
And my dad just looks at me. He didn't grab a rag. He didn't say, let me see it. He didn't say, do we need to take you to the doctor? He said, you have learned a valuable lesson today. <laughs> Anything with teeth will bite. Don't poke it. And he walked off. <laughs> and the truth still applies. Anything with teeth will bite. So husbands, go ahead and keep poking her. She will bite you. Don't come crying to Pastor Don. Because you have learned a valuable lesson. See, the truth still works. See, I live in this world where I need the formula. I want to know how to copy something. Because I don't do the work myself. Watch this. I wrote this down because I want you to write it down. It wasn't what Abraham did. It was why he did what he did that made him our example. So just like Abel and Enoch that we talked about, Abraham didn't really do all that much. Like he, he's, not, he's not building any massive mansions. He's, he's, not, he's not conquering great cities. He, he, he's, not, he's not building any temples. As a matter of fact, if I read the scripture correctly, the only property Abraham ever owned was a cave he bought from the Hittites to bury his wife in. The Bible says he lived in tents. By faith, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 9, he went to live in a land of promise as a foreigner living in tents. Now, if, if he didn't have all that much and he didn't do all that much, here's my question. Why does God think this man is so impressive? Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Mm. Oh, now I'm about to violate you. Everybody brace yourself. Hold on to your neighbor. Because they, they might fall out. He believed, then he obeyed. He obeyed even though he didn't know where he was going. Come on. You see, the problem with modern day obedience ooh, is it's conditional. The problem with modern day obedience is it is conditional on knowing the outcome. It is conditional based on the level of reward or benefit. That's the problem with modern day obedience. I'm going to weigh the outcome before I decide whether I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to weigh the benefit before I decide if I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to obey the reward before I decide if I'm going to be obedient. That is modern day obedience. Come on somebody say amen. You, you know you kids are the same way. of us we we never tend to grow out of this thing that's why we struggle with the concept of biblical faith somebody say amen, amen. see we're always weighing the outcome or the benefit to decide if we're going to be obedient Ooh. i'm gonna say it when we live that way as born-again believers when we live our life basing our obedience on a known outcome, when we live our life basing our obedience to God on reward or benefit, what we're doing is we're obligating God to our will instead of being obedient to His. Have you been living that way? Have I been living that way? Weighing outcome, benefit, instead of just being obedient. Let me tell you something. If that's a truth this morning, if you can just say, I might be there. Pastor Don's going to tell you that that's why you aren't seeing victory in your life. If God has spoken to you about something in your life and simply called you to obedience, forget about 
what it means like having to lay down, having to sacrifice, having to give up. Let me tell you something. When Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler church, what was going on there is Jesus was laying on the table much, much more than the rich young ruler was being asked to give away. How could you put a price on walking three and a half years with Jesus in person? How could you put a price on physically experiencing and being involved in the miracles and the manifestation of the kingdom of God on the planet at that moment? See, all he could do was weigh outcome or benefit versus on the calling of obedience. And because he did that, he went away sad is what the Bible says. And we never hear about this man again. Why? Because Jesus said, give it all away to the poor. Give it all away to the poor and come and follow me. I would say to you, he never experienced victory in his life. I would say to you, he probably lived the rest of his life full of material gain, but a sad man. I can't prove it to you in the scripture, but I can prove to you that in the world that you and I live in, materials have never made anybody happy. Second Chronicles 16, 19 is a scripture that just violates my spirit, but I want to embrace it. It says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And I just have to, I mean, I've just got to stand in that in a moment and go, Lord, when you look through the whole earth to look for those who are loyal, do you see me? Am I loyal? And, and, and for me personally, that's one, one of the biggest violations I'll have is disloyalty. You know what I'm saying? I'm the company guy. I'm going to wear the logo. I'm going to wear the watch. I'm going to wear the wristband. Firm Foundation Ministries. 25 years of impact. Everybody will get one next week. Are we the only church? No. I've said it a thousand times. I'll keep saying it a thousand times. There are great churches in this area who are, who are pouring their heart and soul into the kingdom of God. Do, do we do ministry the same? No. But that's on purpose. The hand doesn't do the same job the foot does. And so I'm, I'm, we're not in competition with each other. Let's pray for one another. Did you know you can leave Google reviews of churches today? Who knew? Someone read me a review that, that somebody left on Google about our church. And it said, as soon as you enter the door, Guys are all dressed in black like the mafia. <laughs> the music, the, the shouting, it went on and on and not my cup of tea. You see, here's where I'm at. I, I've said this, this church isn't for everybody. But there is a church for everybody. But here's what violates me about that. Some lost person now is going to see that and judge the whole body of Christ by that. How dare we as believers? Okay. You know what I wanted to do? I was like, those are the ushers. They opened the door for you. <laughs> They told you where the bathroom was. They all wear the same color, so in case you have a problem, you know who to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Next week, we'll dress, uh, dress them in pink. I, I don't know, right? Like I... <laughs> And somebody will complain it's too feminine. I, I don't, I, you just... God 
is looking for a man. God is looking for a woman. God is looking for a people, someone to be loyal to him. What does it mean, right? A loyal friend is someone who will be there when I need them, when I count on them. And if I ask for help, they're the people who are going to show up. That's loyalty. That is loyalty. And Abraham was the kind of guy that when God needed him, he showed up. He just showed up. He was that kind of guy. So when God said, go from your country, leave your kindred and your father's house to a land I'll sow you, you know what? That's exactly what Abraham did. But let me repeat. He, re- he, he obeyed God even when he didn't know the details. So here's the question for us this morning. As God calls Abraham to leave his comfort zone and do something for him, If God called you to do something for him, would you do it? Careful, careful. No. Would you leave your comfort zone and do something challenging because you were loyal to God no matter what the outcome or the benefit? You see, it's those moments where your faith becomes terrifyingly awesome don't 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 look at me that way because you know you love terrifyingly awesome stuff that's why you go to cedar point so for 30 seconds you can go "Ah!" get off and go were you scared yes i was scared were you scared let's get back in line and you wait three hours for 30 seconds again you know why because it was terrifyingly awesome We didn't do that growing up. We just caught big old alligators. They almost killed us each and every time. We drug them home. And, and, and my brother and I almost got ate one night. I kid you not. Like, we both almost died and became gator bait. And my dad was so mad at us. We come dragging this big old 10-foot alligator up. He's grumbling like some old dinosaur, dragging this thing. And, and he's like, you guys are going to die. We were so scared. I looked at my brother and I was like, were you scared? Oh, gosh. Man, that thing almost got you. And I was like, I know, right? Like, I was scared too. We're going to do it tomorrow night? Yeah. <laughs> you see, my greatest disappointment when I got saved is I felt like all that was over. Now I'm a Christian, I gotta behave. No more blowing stuff up. No more climbing a tree and shooting whatever walks under it, dragging it home and eating it. Because I'm a Christian now. Come on, church. I don't have time to tell you about demons. Whew. My wife, the first night I saw a lady manifest the devil, my wife said, Oh Lord. I thought, here we go again. Now it's not alligators. It's devils. So what could you do for God? Listen to me, church. What could you do for God? You see, we're never going to do the big things until we learn to do the small things. You know, the first alligator I dragged home, he wasn't 10 foot long. He's three foot long. Yeah, trust me, it is. (laughs) See, here's the problem I hear people saying. I I can, I just feel it in my spirit, and I think it's natural. But Pastor Don, I'm only one person. I can't do everything. But you can do something. And just because you can't do everything, please don't refuse to do something. The question is this, can God count on you to do something? Can you be loyal to God step by step, step by step, as you step up and out of your comfort zone? Can you do that? Church, let me explain something to you. Next week, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate 25 years. Come on, we're going to celebrate 25 years. 
that's powerful because there are people who prophesied it wouldn't last six months. We're going to celebrate 25 years. Now, let me, let me bless you, and I want to prep you right now because I want you to come next week, and I want you to celebrate. We're going to tell some stories. We're going to rejoice, and we're not going to worry about the clock. We're going to press into this thing. I want you to listen to me because, see, what we're not celebrating is 25 years. We're celebrating the fact that 25 years ago, 46 people decided to be obedient regardless of the outcome or the benefit. That's what we're celebrating. They didn't know. They were leaving their comfort zone. They were leaving everything they'd ever experienced in God because God was moving on their heart in a new way to do a new thing in their life. And they felt like that would be poured out of their life into the community that God was wanting to do. It wasn't a criticism of where they came from. It was an excitement of stepping into where God was taking them. It never has been a criticism about where we came from. This church has its roots in Locust Grove like a lot of churches in this county do. I guarantee you, you can probably go into every church in this county and find a seed of Locust Grove Mennonite Church. I've never been there. I, I, I wasn't worshipped there. I don't know. I came to Michigan. I didn't know much about Mennonites or Amish people. I didn't know all that stuff. I, don't, I still don't know much about it, it because I don't care. Find a church that doesn't have a seed from that place. It's incredible. 46 people 25 years ago decided to be obedient regardless of the outcome and the benefit. And let me say this to you with all the power that's in my heart because there's a lot of us in this room who have no idea what that story was. And that's the way it's supposed to be as a church grows. But because those 46 people stepped out when God spoke, you and I, everyone, we're all here today. And the truth is there are some of us who would not be here if it had not been for their obedience. Lemas, would you even be in the United States if 46 people had? You probably wouldn't. You'd still be in Brazil. 46 people step out in 1996... And in 1997, these guys decide, hey, we need to go as missionaries to the United States and support that church. They wind up here in 1998, and they're still here. They wouldn't be here if somebody hadn't stepped out in obedience. The Smiths wouldn't be here. I can guarantee you, ask my wife. I told her to pack everything up in Stoughton Estates in Sturgis, Michigan. I said, you have it packed and we are leaving and we're not saying a word to nobody. I am out of this place. I'm going back to the south where I belong, where I can understand what people are saying. <laughs> there ain't no alligators up here to hunt. Hello, somebody. I got them written down. I'm just giving you some prayer. The Sneeds wouldn't be here. I, the 12 years I spent praying for my son. If 46 people had not stepped out, would God have answered my prayer? Yeah, he did get a... a a much you, you outkicked your coverage with your wife. I can just tell you that. Yeah. There's grandchildren that wouldn't be born in my life. I want you to understand. I can't. I can't spend. I got. Look at. I got. I can't tell your story, but I can tell you that there's a part of every one of us who are here at Firm Foundation Ministries because 25 years ago, 46 people decided to be obedient regardless of the outcome. They were. They were pioneers of faith for us. They were pioneers of faith for us. I mean, there are some marriages in this room that would not be here today. See, we don't trace it back that far because we just think, oh, this couple helped. 
helped me or that couple helped me and I'm still here. There are some families who wouldn't be together today, church. Listen, there, there, there is some healing. Ray, Ray just came up during worship and he said, look, I need you to understand that every physical ailment I've had in my life is healed because people in this church prayed for me. God told me in 1996 when I was ordained, Art Good, who will be here next Sunday to preach, laid his hands on me and ordained me and prophesied and said, you will pastor an international church. And I had forgotten all about that prophecy because I thought, I don't... I live in the backwoods of Florida. I'm not leaving this country. Are you crazy? Poor country boy, what does that even mean? And then the one year when Anne Renee and Marissa King did Advent, we found out that there was 13 different countries represented in our congregation. Plus Florida, you got 14, they got it. Story after story after story after story. We all sit here, there are young people now who are on the mission field. There are families who are missionaries. There are people in other nations now who are being ministered to and the gospel is being shared because 25 years ago, 46 people decided we don't care about the income or the outcome. God had spoken. Oh, church. Who do, I, I don't know about you, but who doesn't want to be a part of a legacy like that? Because I think, what about the next 25 years? I'm going to be an old man. Walking in here in a walker, out shouting everybody while the young people carry on. This church cannot continue to live on the faith of 25 years ago. That's not the calling of God. The calling of God. Listen, as elders, we're like, we got no more room for kids. On Sunday nights, you should be here. When, when middle school, high school, and Bible, it is, there's no room for kids. And so we're thinking about, do we put up, I don't know, how do we put up something just to put the middle schoolers in? It's Joe and Tanya's fault. Make them pay for it. And then we sit in the elders meeting, and we go, that's just a band-aid that ain't going to fix anything. Come on, church. What's in it for me? All right, since it's an unavoidable question, because that's who we are, I'm going to bless you. That's legitimate. Because God is faithful. And the Bible also says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is not asking you for everything without any return. That's not who he is. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Go from your country, your kindred, to your father's house, to the, or, or from your father's house, and, and I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and in all your family shall be blessed on the whole earth. See, God's telling Abraham, do this for me, I'll do that for you. So what will God do for you if you do stuff for him. Oh, you're ready, aren't you? Listen, I got no clue. All I know is when I said yes to Jesus because my wife was headed out the door, she was packing her bags. She was sick of my stuff after six months of marriage. Six months. I didn't make it six months. She was headed out the door, tired of my junk. Come on, somebody. And I gave my heart and life to Jesus. And, and the long story short is this. God let me keep my wife. He let me keep my kids. And he, he, he restored my family. And he kept us together. And now we're in ministry together serving. Here we all are in Michigan. Why? Because 46 people decided we're going to be crazy for Jesus. They had no idea God was going to send you all some redneck southern crazy 
But we do this together. People ask me all the time, what kind of church is Firm Foundation Ministry? I got no idea. We're just a mutt for Jesus. Aren't you from Locust Grove, Minute? Yep. There's some people in your church speaking tongues? Yep. <laughs> Weirdos. It's in the Bible, I don't know. When you do stuff for God, let me say this. He notices. He notices, and God will never be in your debt. Oh, church, don't you think God will owe you anything? We just sang the song. Come on, church. God notices, and he will reward. He will meet your need. There's another thought here that I need to share with you real quickly. Abraham's whole objective was to enter the promised land. I've got a picture I want to show you. Beth, can you put that up? There it is, right there. Now, maybe you know this picture. Maybe you don't know this picture. But that is a wall, and there's a gate in this wall. Now, there's an awe, a covering over it now because archaeologists are trying to preserve this wall. This gate and this wall is called Abraham's Gate. Abraham lit, literally, literally, there you go, walked through this gate to go rescue Lot. This gate was Abraham's entrance into the promised land. There was no other way for Abraham to enter in the promised land but to go through that gate. Now, here's the problem. Abraham had never been on the other side of that gate. He didn't know what was on the other side of that gate. All he knew is he had to go through it. It's an ancient gate. It's on the north side of Israel, and it's the oldest known gate into the promised land. They call it Abraham's Gate, right, because that's, that's what happened. The ma it's a major tourist attraction, and so uh, they, they've taken it down. That's fine. Um, and, and, and it's there. They're trying to protect it because they're trying to still study the journey of Abraham. There was a gate to Abraham's destination. See, this is why I stay up at night. Because God drops something in your spirit like that, and you just go, oh boy. And that gate was the gate, and Abraham was going to have to enter to make it into the promised land. There's only one gate that leads to your destination. One gate, and one gate only. Obedience. Obedience will heal your marriage. Obedience will heal your mind. Obedience will restore your heart. Obedience will lead you into the safety and protection of Jesus Christ. Obedience is the gate to all the promises of God. There is no promise of God without obedience on our part. He's, he's saying, come with me, walk with me. He's calling us into it. Every one of us have to walk through this gate. There's, listen, your gate of obedience might be different than mine. God spoke to me in Florida and said, I want you to go to Michigan. I said, no. I was leading my church. In, in Florida, and, and I was determined to take this little bitty church that had about five people when we came there, and, and it had about 50 or so after about five years, and I, I was determined that it was going to grow, and, and, and things were happening, and then God came and said, I want you to lay down your 20-year career as a butcher. I want you to lay down this church that you worked seven days a week at. I, I want you to lay it all down, and I want you to go to Michigan and spend time with Glenn Middleton. And I said, no. Not happening. And you can ask my wife and my little girl and my boy. For two years I told God no. And it was the most miserable time of my life. Nobody got saved. Nobody got healed. The church didn't grow. Nothing was working. I don't, I don't preach any different now than I did then. 
and people would leave in the church. I don't have any different ministry philosophies now than I did then. Hello, somebody. But God was calling me to obedience, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget on a Sunday night when God violated my spirit. You ever read that scripture where God said he'll offend the flesh to reveal the heart? Man, oh man. On a Sunday night, I walked up to my wife, and I looked her straight in the eye, and I said, we'll be moving to Michigan. You know what she said to me? How soon do I need to be packed? That was the extent of our conversation. Just waiting on you to be obedient. Why you got to be so stubborn? There's only one gate that leads to your destination. Obedience. And maybe, maybe disobedience has cost you something already. And maybe that price has been so high that you're thinking it can never be restored. Listen, it's God who said, I will restore the years. Your job right now at this moment is obedience. Without the outcome of benefit, you have to learn to trust that God knows what's on the other side of the gate he's asking you to walk through. Oh, church, your gate of obedience is the door that leads into God's promise for your life. Somebody say amen. I put it up there. Please write it. Take a picture. Put it on Chapsnat or, or whatever it is. Uh, uh, Graham that's instant. Or I don't know what it's called. Tweaker. Or, no, that's a, that's a drug. I'm sorry. No, um, Twitter. Facebook. Uh, whatever it is. I can't keep up with social media. It is the garbage can of the world. And we should do that more often. You know what happens when the toilet bowl needs cleaning? You pour some Clorox in it. Let the gospel clean up Facebook. If we go to Facebook jail, let them send us to jail because we were preaching the gospel. Not because we were poking political... Uh, I got to move. Even in eternity, the rules follow. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, he said, I'm the gate. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the gate. No, the sheep have to go through the gate. I'm the gate. There is a way. There is a gate. You better make sure you pick the right one. Come on, somebody. Help me out. This is it. Listen, if you want to go where God wants you to go, you've got to go by his way through his gate. That's called obedience. What did Abraham do that makes him so impressive to God? Come on, David is they're singing songs. He's killed 10,000. David picks up Goliath's sword. I don't know how he did it. Cuts off Goliath's head with it. Later on in David's life, he's man enough to carry that sword again. Oh, you, you just got to read the book. Oh, it's so good. This, come on, Nehemiah rebuilds walls. I, I mean, come on, church. I mean, let's go through the Bible. Listen, Noah builds a boat. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, these guys are doing stuff, major stuff. Abraham, he's just living in a tent. Just living in a tent. Just living in a tent. Being obedient. What you don't understand is that God had to move this man from a place geographically where multi-gods were worshipped to a place that were trade points for all over that area. And it was centered there. And everyone who traveled anywhere had to move through the area Abraham put him. And they would hear about this man who believed in a single God. Let's go talk to this man who has a single God. The one God. And Abraham was positioned by God strategically so that God's name could begin to be spread in the earth. You are strategically positioned by God 
and your obedience, come on church, releases the gospel into a lost and dying world. My last point is this. Hebrews 11.10, Abraham was looking for a city that was founded, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham lived in a temporary place because every place God led him to wasn't his final destination. Can I, can I say this to us very bravely this morning? Every place God leads us to is a victory to the next place he's leading us to. Next week, we get to celebrate 25 years. And not the years. We get to celebrate that 25 years ago, 46 people decided to be obedient. And look what God has done. The souls that have been touched. The lives that have been saved. The church planted. Other churches assisted. Come on. And God has been so good to us. And some of you next week have never met Pastor Jay, who was the founding father. Next week, he'll be here. And it's going to be great to celebrate him and Andrea. It's going to be great that Pastor Art is going to be here, that the apostolic anointing that first breathed these ideas plant a church. And out of that calling, people are obedient. And let me tell you something, church. God is still building here. And if you don't believe that, you look at these young people who sit on the front row while the rest of us... Do you realize they're here before most of us are? I love that. I walk into this sanctuary before church starts, and the kids are here before the adults are. Nobody's dragging them in. There they are. They're all here, right? And I'm all talking to them. How you doing? What's going on with you, right? Some of them look like I'm going to lick them or something. I don't know. Like, what are you doing? Look at what God is doing. You say, Pastor Don, I, w- I wasn't here in 1996. Well, neither was I. That doesn't mean you're less important. And I remember when my wife and I first sat down with the eldership team here at church, and, and this is what we said. We were so confident of what God has spoken to our heart. And listen, y'all don't understand. I had back boxes packed in the car. And God put the brakes on it. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to be in so much trouble. So much trouble. But God told me that God, he isn't closing that church. God told me he's going to grow that thing. God told me he's going to grow that thing. And she just said, oh boy. I sat down with the leadership team and this is what I said. I said, if you guys are looking for Pastor Don and Sister Lisa to come in and scheme up some new vision or idea, I don't believe that's at all what God has called me to do. I want to say this to you as a leadership team and I want, you, I want this church to hear me today again. I said to them, God has already given you vision. Our job is to join him in what he's doing with us. That's all I intend to do. Just join God. Listen, you join God in what he's doing. His resources are there. Hey, I said join God in what he's doing. Watch his miracle power be there. Join God in what he's doing. Watch people's lives get transformed by the gospel. Amen. Join God in what he's doing. Watch things that are upside down turn right side up. Join God, church. Just join him. See, that is what the call of Abraham is to our life. What did he do that you and I can do? Listen, it's just a children's story. Relax. Just join God. Be obedient. I cannot wait to hear the story 25 years ago 25 from now because somebody else will be up here telling it hello somebody will you stand with me
<laughs> Brian said maybe. <laughs> That's the goal. Are you taking notes? You, you taking notes? You taking notes? 25 years from now, y'all better be taking notes right now. That's what I'm saying. What would bless us more? Right? Than to hear the story of a three-year-old. Tyler, how old were you when we first met? Six or seven years old? Like he's about that tall too. <laughs> if that's not the goal, if that's not the goal, we just swear to go home and not open the door anymore. But I can tell you this is the goal. Discipleship. Legacy. Until Jesus comes back, let's raise them. Let's release them. Amen. Let's send them. Amen. Until Jesus comes back, let's celebrate his name. Let's rejoice in our calling. And let's be obedient. That's what I say. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for this word. Bless our hearts, Jesus. It wasn't what Abraham did. It was why he did what he did. Lord, today, Lord, it isn't about we receive this encouragement. It's about why. And God, we anticipate the goodness of your Lord, hands. We just want to be obedient. We just want to be Next obedient. Week. We anticipate, hallelujah, just hearing the story of your faithfulness. Some things, God, because of the number of days, our mind has simply forgotten. And so, Lord, we thank you that there's a time that's appropriate to remember the good hand of our God. And so, God, this week as we anticipate that, God, just build in our heart anticipation, Lord. As we come to celebrate your good hand upon us, God, pour out your spirit as we rejoice in your faithfulness. And so we give you all the praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, turn around and tell someone your gate is obedience.